0: I.V.M.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Triangle Offense. I'm Munish and as always I'm joined by Nishant. Uh, It was a silent day in the NBA finally after just two games today. The Jazz uh, winning the sixth consecutive game, the Nuggets finally picked up a win. I think I kind of like uh, some kind of silence because I think there were too many games going on, difficult to keep a track, I was kind of getting burnt out. So I kind of enjoyed the silent day. But uh, I would like to utilize the silent day to talk about something we spoke about a couple of episodes ago, link in the description below, uh, is that the domino effect of the James Harden trade. Yeah. In the first part of this, we spoke about Bradley Beale and how he might look for a move out of Washington. Yeah. The second superstar <clears throat> or star that might fall in the same bucket, I would say, is Zach Levine. Now, he's not in a totally different position from Bradley Beal, easy. Uh, He is putting up amazing numbers. Uh, Second highest points scored this season. Fifth highest average points scored this season. But the Chicago Bulls aren't doing that well. They're 6-8. and And before you know it, they'll be 8-15 and with no real future in hand. So for you, uh, I have two questions and I'll put it in a two-part segment. One, does Zach Levine look for a move out? Uh, because he can easily transform a strong team into a serious contender. I can easily see him fitting into the Mavs, into yeah. Miami Heat, into all of those contenders <laughs> which are missing one piece, mm-hmm. right? Or he could stay at Chicago Bulls and hope that the Bulls franchise build something around him and become a real contender in the next two, three years. Yeah, Because, uh, you know, they can build teams easily nowadays. You trade a superstar, you get picks and you have a lot of picks going around. And then within three or four years, you know that you're a real contender. So, uh, first from Zach Levine's perspective, what do you think? Uh, do you think he should force him out, uh, become the second or third piece in a team and be part of a real strong team that will really contend or be happy with this 10-spot, 12-spot Chicago Bulls?
0: Yeah, it's, it's these decisions, these discussions are always so tricky because we don't quite know until a player comes out and says it what he expects out of his career. And you're perfectly fine to say... I'm going to make my money. We've, we've had some prominent footballers that chose to go play in China in the prime of their youth. And they were very clear about it. They said, we have a finite window in which we can make as much money as we can. And then, uh-huh. and then off we go. And we may not get a second career after that. So it's fair. Um, like I said, and we've said this before, it's easy for us to sit here and say, this guy should try to want to win a chip, even if it costs him. We're, we're nobody to say that. But the inkling is, and and I don't know if his situation is so bad that he should force a move out. I don't think it's that bad yet, with because he's young. With with Bradley Beal, oh. he's still youngish, but in Washington, you kind of get the sense that his time's running out. And if he stays there any longer, it's going to come to a point where he may not be as valuable to to a prospective chip contender at some point. It's like strike while the iron's hot for Bradley Beal. Right, Zach Levine, uh, Zach Levine, his entire future's ahead of him. I, I'm mighty, as you know, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. I've been mighty impressed because I saw this guy when he came in, in those two dunk contests, blew everyone's mind. Best dunker yeah. most people have ever seen. Oh. Only Jordan would figure in that conversation. Yeah. And and we thought, all right, you know, we, we see these every year, fancy dunkers who don't really amount to much in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you say, take Diallo, for instance, amazing in the dunk contest, but like a fringe player at best. Uh, Aaron Gordon good but not at that level like he's not leading the league or coming close in anything though he's a good all round player I'd still put him in the Julius Randle bucket Zach Levine though year on year his growth is so incredible and you can attribute some of that to being on a shit team with no real other option outside of him Mm -hmm. but that also but that still at least speaks to his ability to go get his own shot and make his own place because there's nobody else that can assist him there's nobody that can even help him with a pick and roll screen. Right? It's it's all him. Right. And and we'll put up his numbers uh, on the screen, and and you can see for yourself while I while I run through them. But the guy's growth has been astounding. So he's been this is a seventh season in the league, right? And over the last seven years, except for one particular season where he had a horrifying injury, played hardly twenty something games, and that was mm-hmm. also when he moved to Chicago. So new team, debilitating injury. Barring that season, he's gone up significantly in points per game every single year. He went from 10 to 14 to 19 to had that blip where he dropped to 16.7 to 23.7, 25.5, 27.4. And who knows if he's done. He continues growing. He gets better on defense. His steals per game go up. His rebounds per game go up. His true shooting goes up despite Mm -hmm. being now a volume shooter. He went from being a 34% three-shooter on five attempts a game four years ago to now being a 39% three-shooter on nine attempts per game. It's it's astounding, um, his growth. To the point where I keep thinking, well, look, whether he forces a move out or not, that's entirely up to him and his motivation. But there are a few factors to consider uh, for him. One, if he stays in Chicago, maybe they build a good team around him, maybe they don't. Uh, but if he looks at himself as potentially a player that can be you know, the primary option on a chip-winning team or, or anything even close, then I strongly disagree. I think he's a great player, but I don't think he's that guy. Uh, okay. We have not seen that yet, at least. We have not seen that side of him. Now, uh, does he look at himself as somebody who can be uh, an all-star level player on a contender? Mm-hmm. I, he's absolutely that. Uh, for me, I don't see how he can't go be a CJ McCollum in Portland, at the very least. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or slot into that Toronto backcourt, replace maybe Kyle Lowry who's aging. I could see that happening. I mean, you can't defend like Lowry, but but I could see that happening on offense. Mm-hmm. So there are there are situations and there are there are teams that could absolutely use an explosive offensive threat uh in the backcourt that Zach Levine can be. I'd even go so far as saying, How about Golden State? How about swapping out say Kelly Obre for for Zach Levine? That gives them such a boost offensively. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm just looking at it as a fan and I'm saying there are mouth-watering options and opportunities across the league. And should his motivation be to go chase a chip, there are multiple teams that can create. Clippers could absolutely use him. I'm looking at the Clippers, they could use him. Milwaukee, mm, eh, not so much. Because he'd have to come at the cost of Middleton and um, Middleton for all of his flaws and, and inconsistencies in the postgame, we don't even know what Zach Levine can do in the postseason. Cool. Uh, a post-season game, I mean, not post-game. Uh, we, we don't know what Zach Levine can do. So, I'd, I'd much rather stick to Middleton. And, and he's great. Like at some point, he's going to come good in the playoffs. right? So, uh, there's no shortage of teams that could use a backward weapon. Now, personally, for Zach Levine, what could what could be one other consideration is personally, he's grown as much as he can grow. And, and maybe, sure, he'll have a few more seasons where he, he makes incremental improvements. Mm-hmm. But... Is it not fascinating, just from a play perspective, forget forget anything else, forget the chip. Is it not fascinating as a player um, to see how much more you can grow when you have elite company? Yeah. Like at absolutely. Chicago, who are you playing next to? Kobe White, blah, blah, blah. Who, who's really <laughs> going to facilitate for you? Imagine playing next to Steph Curry for the season. Yeah. Um, or, or playing with Paul George and in Kawhi in, in, in LA or, or any of these teams, right? It's, yeah. it's next level, the kind of value... Um, that that you, that you bring to the table and that they can bring to your um, growth, growth journey. And as you pointed out, he's criminally underpaid. What's he getting 19 million, something under 20 million,
1: 19 million. Yes. (laughs) And for the usage rate that he brings to the court, I mean, that's, that's a steal.
0: Yeah. And look fair, fair game, fair play to the Chicago Bulls. He, this contract was signed when he just got out of his rookie contract. And of course, Minnesota traded him. The second anyone gets out of a rookie contract, they trade because they're they're not paying anyone except Wiggins. For some reason, Wiggins, they were okay paying. So they traded him out and and Chicago at that point, uh, he was a 90, I think it was a fair contract at that point in time. But now if he goes into the open market, he's going to get a whole lot more for his, I mean, in a world where Batum gets paid 30 million a year, poof. So there's some selfish angle angle here too, right? Do you think he'll get paid more?
1: Uh, I'm looking at it from the Chicago perspective uh, and let me bring it to that question, right? They made this mistake or would you even call it a mistake? They traded Jimmy Butler for Zach Levine. So you, you realize what kind of player Jimmy Butler went on to be, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Zach Levine would ever be the player that Jimmy Butler was or is. So uh, I'm looking at Chicago and like, would they want to make this mistake of uh, trading him? I think they have that kind of fear in them. But I'm looking at Chicago's history. They never played. Ne- they have never paid a contract over 100 million. Their highest is 95 million. So uh, I see some trouble there. I don't think they would want to give Zach Levine that contract because you yourself said he, I don't see him as the main guy in a chip winning team. So even if Chicago is hoping to become a chip winning team in the next five years, Zach Levine might or might not be that guy. That's still something yet to be seen uh he does not drink much on the defensive end like you said he and kobe white uh, probably are the worst backcourt and if you exclude cleveland i probably they are the worst backcourt in the whole league yeah right uh, offensively he's great no doubt about that so do they want to keep him uh, or do they just now you've seen it with james harden you've seen it with drew holiday you've seen it with anthony davis you've seen it with paul george if you have a great superstar on a bad team yeah, the number of picks you get mm. To secure your future is a lot, lot. You you can get five, six years worth of picks and good players in return if you trade someone like Zach Levine. And I'm seeing Chicago Bulls like, okay, this guy is not going to win us a chip. So do we trade him and do we secure our future and try to build around, say, all these other <coughs> people with, and look at it from that point of view. What do you think they'll do?
0: Yeah, I think Chicago, surprisingly, they're, they're not quite a small market team. I, I don't think by any stretch you can consider Chicago a small market, but but they behave like a small market team they behave a lot like how milwaukee does and i and, and i don't think and the, you're very right the, the whole not paying anyone not giving out more than 100 million dollar contract at any point <clears throat> which i think the only time they'll make an exception is when they know they have a short sure thing like when they have the next jordan mm-hmm. and maybe derrick rose would have got, got overpaid if not for all of those injuries right so True. so i think they're really holding out for that and if that's the business model, the, what are you doing with Zach Levine? Because at some point you're going to have to renew his contract and he's at least looking for, say a four year $100 million dollar deal. Right. I mean, look, look around the league at what guys are getting paid. Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, Darren yeah, Fox. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, so I, this is hyper conservative when I say he's looking at a four, four year or hundred million dollar deal at least. Chicago is not going to give him that. I don't think they're looking at him and saying, that's our key to the chip. Exactly. Close. So they're going to want to trade at some point. Why not trade now when his value is high and yep. when his contract is lucrative to another yep. team? Like if you're a team that's um, putting together a chip contender, maybe this year or the next, and you're building a project mm-hmm. and you're thinking, this guy is fascinating, Zach Levine. I don't know if I want him at 25 or $30 million, especially given his, his lack of, let's say, all-star defensive capabilities.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> but then, if you trade for him now, sure, you might have to give up a pick extra or whatever. But but you're getting a player that you can you can get a test run on his current contract. Absolutely. And if he's worth it, you extend. If if he's not, you flip. Absolutely. So I think it's it's a great proposition. Now, should as for Chicago getting a haul for this guy? Look, I think the Jimmy Butler trade situation was was different. I think there were a number of factors at play. There was team chemistry, there was locker room was a mess. And, and there was that whole, um, for a year at least, Jimmy Butler was clearly the man, but the franchise kept holding out for Derrick Rose to come back and and still maintain that it was his franchise, yeah. right? And uh, whatever. So it, it didn't quite work with Jimmy Butler. So that's a different scenario. Will they get a haul for this guy, for Zach Levine? Um, when you look at all of the recent trades that have resulted in teams giving up disproportionate assets to land one Mm -hmm. superstar, Mm -hmm. all of them have been unicorns in their own right. People that are so unique in their skill set that it's hard to find that in the league. It's hard to even hope to draft that. Like an Anthony Davis, who does what he does. There's like two players in the world that can can do what he does outside of him and that's Kevin Durant and and Giannis in very different ways. That's about it. So Anthony Davis makes sense and and vindicated too. They won the chip the second they got him uh, yeah. and gave him over to LeBron, right? And it's the same James Harden. Well, I mean, come on, uh, that's that's self-explanatory. Paul George, same thing. Uh, Westbrook, same thing. These are all MVPs or MVP-caliber players, uh, or they've had the face of the franchise saying, "I'm not going to play unless that guy comes here," right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be the case with Zach Levine. I, I think you will get fair trade value. Um, but mm-hmm. you might not really get a haul in return unless the other guys are desperate. The only counter-argument, and, and that's largely because of he's a great offensive threat. He's not really an elite defensive player. If he was, he'd be like a Drew Holiday and he'd he'd command the world in exchange, a Queen's ransom first trade. The only exception, though, that kind of invalidates my entire line of argument is what Golden State got for D'Angelo Russell. Because mm-hmm. he's largely the same guy, probably a better playmaker than Zach Levine, but doesn't defend mm-hmm. at all. Doesn't really have too much postseason cachet. Like he's he's come up clutch in some moments, but but largely not a, not a great postseason story. And they got the world for him because Minnesota yeah. was desperate. The face of their franchise also wanted this guy badly to to yeah. team up with him in Carl Anthony Towns. So if if Chicago can find something like that. I'd look into who Zach Levine's friends with and see if they, they wanna. I don't know. Maybe Devin Booker and Phoenix want some. And um, uh, uh, that, that won't that be a sight? Devin Booker and Zach Levine. Nobody's gonna defend on that team. It'll just be. It'll, it'll be like the Western Conference's Atlanta Hawks. But but I think that's really what they want to do. And and I think the key to all of this is the fact that Chicago haven't over overpaid a single star, yes. except the one that they thought is the man. Michael Jordan was the last guy to really get paid. Derrick Rose would have got paid number one draft pick MVP, sure. Anything yeah. short of that, they're not interested. They'll keep flipping assets um, till they find their way to the next Jordan or Derrick Rose. So mm-hmm. then trade, trade. And and if, I, if I'm a GM across the league and I have backcourt deficiencies, right. I'm looking at Zach Levine. Like I'd be, and let me throw a name out there. And like mm-hmm. if I were this GM, I'd do it. If I were Masayu Jiri in Toronto, mm-hmm. I'd move mm-hmm. heaven and earth to get Zach Levine. Kyle Lowry is getting, not, uh, not getting any younger. You already have Fred Van Fleet secured. Fred Van Fleet, Zach Levine, that's a start. That's a good that's team. Uh, that's a good team. Yeah, Commander, like these awesome guys, team. and an OB. It's a good team. So uh, I'd, I'd probably, if I was Toronto, I'm looking at Zach Levine as somebody that I can legit get, might not cost me an arm and a leg, improves me and gives me cover for the, you know, Kyle Lowry, who's now aging.
1: I'm actually looking at a stronger team than Toronto Raptors. No, Toronto Raptors with Zach Levine would probably make the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, how do you think uh, oh, Clippers. Philadelphia? So uh, Philadelphia have a lot of young guys that they can give off, along with Danny Green and Ty Bull and Maxi and even Korkmaz, right? So Chicago have a lot of uh, players that they can take and a lot of draft picks they can acquire from Philadelphia. And I think Zach Levine in place of Dan Gre- Danny Green, that would erase some of the pressure of Ben Simmons needing to shoot the three. You saw how horrible he was. He didn't even hit the net. Yeah. So that, that seems like a very valid proposition, does it? In Ben Simmons's defense,
0: that was probably a lab attempt. Uh, it looked like it at least. Right? That's a shot, God bless the guy. Uh, that's an interesting little conundrum for for Philly and, and not a bad problem to have to, to ponder over if you're the GM and you're sitting in, <clears throat> if you're Daryl Morey and you're figuring out what to do with the squad. The only uh, potential pushback there is the East is very clear now. It's very yeah. monochromatic. The East is now who's going to beat Brooklyn, right? Which means who's going to stop the big two at least? And if Kyrie decides to show up, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Enough Kyrie, Kyrie, watching the big three. It's about <laughs> who's going to beat Brooklyn's big three, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you need to beat their big three? You need somebody that can at least remotely contain their scoring, and then mm-hmm. shoot lights out at the other end. It's the only way a threesome like that can be beaten. Just ask right. LeBron. So, right. so then to top that big three, you, you can not compromise your perimeter defense. Okay. It'll be great and if you add Danny some Green offensive threat. Which means Danny Green uh, is a much better pick than, than Zach Levine. Zach Levine can't defend. Uh, Zach Levine, who can, first of all, who can defend Kyrie or uh, James Harden no on the perimeter? Danny Green mean? can at least <laughs> so give them way. a run for their money or even try. Uh, okay. Not happening with Zach Levine, right? And also Zach Levine a volume shooter is there that much of the ball to go around? I think right now Philadelphia are really well set up in mm-hmm. their inside-out offense with Simmons and Embiid. Um, and they've got shooters all around them. They've got Danny Green, they've got Kokmaz, they've got uh, Seth Curry, who's, who should, is he, what is he, 60% this season so far from three, yeah. something like that? Yeah. So, and then he got
1: COVID. Yeah, yeah well, uh, <laughs> I got, he got everything. except well, He
0: couldn't catch the net, he got COVID. But he. I, I like their look right now. I don't think Levine necessarily makes them better immediately. I don't think it makes them a good matchup for uh, uh-huh. for either. Honestly, it doesn't make them a good matchup for Brooklyn uh, from Philly's perspective. It also puts them in jeopardy against the the Celtics. A- any team that has distributed perimeter scoring, it's a problem.
1: Okay. Uh, how about the maps? Uh, Zach Levine alongside Dukkadoncic <coughs> instead of Josh Richardson.
0: Same same thing again. They'll they'll give up uh, defense because the, the the whole point they got Josh Richardson was. Uh, uh, Seth Curry is a way better shooter, right? It's not even close. Right. What, what they decided was we'll sacrifice some of that shooting for a better player overall. And Seth Curry is an off-the-bench shooter. Josh Richardson straight up as a starter for, for the match. Right. And they badly need some defensive showing up. So Zach Levine, I think the, the short answer is Zach Levine is not going to fit in anywhere where they're not willing to give up a starting five piece. Mm-hmm and compromise on defense. I think any team that's not willing to do that, he's not going to fit in very well. Uh, Which is why I was going to say maybe the Clippers. If you're looking out west, you could look at the Clippers and you would look at the Lakers because both of these teams have enough players around those positions Mm -hmm. that can guard the perimeter well and in general are A-plus defensive teams. So no one piece is going to hurt them as much. Uh, with the Lakers, and they have the offense to boot, so they have a distributed offense where it doesn't hurt them to to swap out, say, a, a, a Wes Matthews for Zach Levine mm-hmm. in the starting lineup, or even KCB to the bench for Zach Levine in the in mm-hmm. the lineup, right? I think that's so. Schroeder, Levine, LeBron, AD, uh, Mark Gasol—that's a, the that's a starting five. Same same story with the Clippers. The Clippers probably need it even more than the Lakers, and it cool. probably probably make them even more potent. Because they're not too worried about de- defense is sorted. Man, Clippers have their defense sorted out. They have for a while now, unless they choose to choke. So then that's a that's an interesting add-on to to slap on Zach Levine because that's another guy who can go get his own shot uh, outside of Kawhi and Paul George. Their biggest black hole right now. So so I'd look at I'd look at teams like that. Teams where the defense is all, already elite, where they don't mind sacrificing some defense for some offensive edge. Uh, teams like Philly need their defensive edge given their situation and shouldn't at any point be compromising that. So them and the Mavs not really a great fit.
1: Alright, so that was Zach Levine. It'll be interesting to see how the situation yeah. unfolds. Uh, again, like with the Bradley Beal situation, Zach Levine has not said anything that he wants to move, from, <coughs> move out of Chicago, nor has the Bulls mentioned or indicated yeah. anything like that. So this is just again yeah. us throwing wild puns out this. there. Yeah. Uh, it's an episode that will be replayed once this trade happens but uh, that's all for today a lot of games to look forward to tomorrow some big games out there Uh, Boston versus Philly I think is one big game that I'll be looking forward to so uh, that's all for today and catch you tomorrow All right, man cheers bye